Thanks for joining Connect Youth Ministries online today. You're about to hear a sermon from the series, I Doubt It, as we go through the major doubts concerning Christianity. Today's message is titled, Is Jesus the Only Way? Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. So this uh, past summer, we went to Fine Arts. What up for Fine Arts? Give a shout out. Yeah, woo! Yeah. We went to Columbus, Ohio. And while we were there, because we had just a small number of students, we got to attend two theme parks, which was awesome. We got to go to Kings Island. And then we got to go to the world-famous, greatest theme park in the world, Cedar Point. Yes. But now, um, I want to tell you about my trip to Cedar Point. Because we were down in Columbus, so I don't have a visual. You have to deal with me. We were down here. Cedar Point was like straight up right here. Okay? Now, the road to get to Cedar Point, there was one road. That's it. And then like went out here and then went up. And that just frustrated me. I looked at a map and I was like, this trip would be cut down by like 30 minutes to an hour if there was just a road right there. Right? Now, uh, we were getting there. It's about a two and a half hour drive. We're driving up there. I mean, it was long. And I was like, why does the greatest theme park in the world, the greatest theme park in the world have one road that leads to it? One road. And what was even terrible is on the way back, there was construction on that road. So we had to drive like all the way over here and then drive all the way around to get to Columbus, Ohio. It took an extra hour. It was horrible. And, and I don't know what you guys know what a bigot is. Let me explain what a bigot is. To be a bigot is a person who is utterly intolerant and disrespectful of any belief, opinion, or people group that is not their own. So we understand where it's like intolerant. We can say judgmental. Just, yeah. And I kept thinking, this road to Cedar Point is such a bigot. This road, it's telling me this is the only way. This is the only way to get to the, to, to the greatest theme park in the world. What a bigot. How dare it tell me that it is the one route, the one way. And it got me thinking about Christianity because we're kind of told the same thing because I can imagine heaven, and I'm sure it's even greater than Cedar Point, so let's forever call heaven the greatest theme park in the world, right? And we're told in the Bible, we're told there is just one way. There's one way to heaven. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever been called judgmental for that belief? Or do you feel like that in itself to say that Jesus is the one way, that Christianity is the ultimate only one truth that is out there? That's sometimes hard to believe. It's sometimes hard to share that with our friends. And how many of you have friends that, that, that are of a different religion? You raise your hands. And how difficult, you can put your hands down, how difficult it must be that if you were to share your faith with them and tell them, you're wrong and I'm right. That's difficult, correct? It'd be a very difficult, you would almost seem like you are a bigot. You're intolerant, you're judgmental of their beliefs because it's different, if it's a different opinion, you believe yours is greater than theirs. And when I think about this, I think sometimes, wouldn't it have been a lot easier if just everybody went to heaven? Wouldn't it just be easier if everybody got to go? I don't know if you guys have ever witnessed to somebody, but if uh, there's been times in my life where I've witnessed and I've just completely bombed it. Like I was supposed to share, like Leah talked about hers and she kind of said, uh, at one point in time, like, oh, I don't know, what to, like I've done that so many times. You're not alone, Leah of just like feeling like I bombed the message of Jesus to this person. You know what would be so much easier? 
as if I bombed it, but I was like, it's all good. They're going to heaven anyway, no matter what they do, no matter what they believe. That would just take so much pressure off. Actually, I wouldn't even need to witness to them, right? Because what's the point in witnessing? They're all going. They all, no matter what they believe, they're all going to heaven. It would just take a load off of us, correct? It would be a lot easier. It would be a lot easier. There's been a few analogies that are used to describe this idea that everybody goes to heaven. The first one is a mountain. That when you are going to climb up a mountain, there's several routes up the mountain. Now tonight, I've been told by a few people that with this outfit, I look like a hiker. I want to inform you that no, I'm not a hiker. I just am playing the part. I'm just looking it. But I actually am very terrible at climbing mountains. That is not one of my strengths. But there are several routes that if you were to climb a mountain that you could take. And this analogy that at the top of this mountain is God, at the very top, and that you can take several different routes up the mountain to God, whether it be Islam, whether it be Buddhism, or if you don't believe in anything, you're just a good person, you can climb up this mountain and it's not going to matter because at the end of the day, every single one of us are going to get up to the top of that mountain and we are going to all be in heaven with God. There's that analogy. The other one is a story of three blind men coming into a room with an elephant. And they're, they're trying to see what is this thing. They have to describe. And one guy goes up. He's blind, right? He's touching, he's touching one of the legs. And he says, oh, guys, this is a tree trunk. We're touching a tree. This guy over here, he's just like, what, are, what is wrong with you? He's like touching the tusks. He's like, this is a spear. What do you mean a tree? This could stab you. Trees don't stab you. And the third guy's over here, and he's just freaked out because he's touching the trunk, and he's like, it's a snake! It's a snake! This idea of what if God is so big, what if God is so grandiose, just huge, that we're all just trying to, we're trying to gain, we have a part of the truth. That Christianity has a little bit of truth, that that Buddhism has a little bit of truth, and, and Islam has a little bit of truth, but nobody really has the ultimate truth. No one knows the absolute way. These are a couple of thoughts out there. And I would say the, the one that has uh, been explained to me is that mountain one a lot. Like I think there's several routes up the mountain. But what if, what if God came down the mountain? What if God, you know, he's chilling up on the mountain. He's got good weather up there. He says to come on down, start sweating a little bit. And he tells you, hey guys, you're going up the mountain wrong. There's actually only one way up this mountain and I'm going to show you the way. It's right here. What if God came down the mountain? Now, wouldn't that change the story? It would change the story a little bit. That there wouldn't be multiple routes, wouldn't be multiple ways. If God did come down from the mountain, said one way, then there would be one way. And so we look at our Bibles. And we're going to first turn to John 14, 5 through 6. If you have your Bibles, John 14, 5 through 6. We see, what did God say? Did God come down? Yes, in Jesus. And what did God say? Thomas, who is a disciple of Jesus, he says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, I think what's funny right after this is that Jesus doesn't answer the first, like doesn't even answer the, we don't know where you're going. I honestly think that Jesus explained this over and over, like he is going to heaven. He's made it pretty clear. I think Thomas is being dumb. Like Jesus doesn't even answer that question. He's just like, okay, Thomas, you're being dumb. I'm not going to touch that. But then he answers to how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so is it narrow-minded, is it bigoted to say 
that there is only one way to heaven, that there is one absolute truth. It may just be bigoted in thought, but we have to say is Christians weren't the first one to say it. Christians weren't the first ones to say that Jesus is the only way. Jesus did. Jesus said that he was the only way. We see this over and over in Scripture. Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and his people. He is the man, Christ Jesus. And lastly, 1 John 5.10. God has testified about his son, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this is in his son. So whoever has God's son has life. Whoever who does not have his son does not have life. So tonight we are not going to play around with universalism, the idea that all go to heaven. We're not going to play around with this idea that maybe, just maybe, when we get up there, God's going to forgive everyone, and we're all just going to go to heaven. If God chooses to do that, he chooses to do that. We're going to see that it's fair. If he doesn't do that, we're going to see that he chooses that, and it's going to be fair. But we're not going to play around with these thoughts and these ideas that humans have created. If we look at Scripture, we're going to see that it is Jesus is saying he is the only way to heaven. And I have to think about this. Is So what if Jesus said it? So what? I have to think about a doctor. Now, Evan over here. Evan, can you lift up your right arm, bro? All right. Now, what was he? Broke your wrist? Right on. I'm sorry, man. How did it happen? Fell on it? All right. Now, what, when you broke it, did you have to go to the doctors? Yeah. Now, what was, what was the plan of treatment? What did you have to do to get that arm fixed? Sling? Cast? And just wear it every day. All right. Now, at any point in time, sorry about Evan, did you ever disagree with the doctor? You just want to get something. Did you ever say, Doctor, I think I know more than you. I think I'm going to try a different method. I'm actually going to put the sling on, no cast. It's just going to heal on its own. What do you know about broken wrists, doctor, right? You can see that none of us, when you go to the doctor, I don't know how many of you are that argumentative, are there debating with your doctor about treatment. Oh, those pills. I know nothing about those pills, but I disagree with you. I'm going to take these pills. You say my right arm's broken. I say it's my left. Hmm. What do you know, doctor? I know better than you. I think there's another way. And we wouldn't question our doctors because, because they have done the education. They deserve the respect. They are the only ones that have the ultimate knowledge of how to carry out treatment. Correct? And here I want to say is, if Jesus, go with this if, if Jesus is really the Son of God, if Jesus really rose from the dead, we would say he is the son of God then, if he really did that. And if he really did that, and he is saying he is the only way, then there is no argument that could come against that. If he really is the son of God. So if you're having a problem with this whole idea of Jesus being the only way, you really have a problem with Jesus the son of God. Because if he is the son of God, there is no arguing with that. Correct? But the ultimate is, is he really the son of God? Either Christianity is bigoted and judgmental or it is incredibly loving. It all depends on if it is true. So tonight, I want to answer the deeper doubt. Is he really the son of God? That's what I want us to answer tonight because if he really is, then we're not going to struggle if he's the only way. We know who he is. He said it. He's good. He died for us. All right. 
I can deal with it. So we're going to answer that question. Is Jesus who he said he was? Now, some people will say that he was a, just a good teacher. He was just a prophet. What are some other things you think, if you don't believe he's the son of God, have, have maybe some atheist friends, something that, that he could be? Anybody? Womanizer. I didn't know that. All right. That's good. Anybody else? Any other things they thought Jesus could be? What? All right. We'll get into aliens later. Don't worry. All right. But a lot of people, if they don't believe in Jesus, it's very rare for people to say, I hated Jesus. Jesus was, like most people would say, well, I don't believe he was a son of God, but I liked his teachings on forgiveness and love, right? Like, I think he was kind of a cool guy. Like, he had a good following. I don't think he did miracles. I don't think he rose from the dead. I think he just had some good moral teaching that I can apply to every, every now and then in my life. But here's the problem. Okay, because Jesus is referred to as the Son of God over 50 times in the New Testament. In several of those, a majority of those, is he himself calling himself the Son of God. We even look, read back, and you don't have to go, you have to go back to it, but John 14, uh, 14, 6. He's calling himself the way. He's calling himself the truth. He's calling himself the life. If Evan over here is standing up saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We would say, what do we think? I like his teachings. Like if he talked about forgiveness but kept calling himself the son of God, we would say, dude, you're crazy. I don't care what kind of, what kind of good teachings you have. I think you're a lunatic. And none of us would really follow him. There's actually several people, several people that um, have claimed to be the Messiah. We have found out that they are all crazy. They have schizophrenia. They have something wrong with them to think that they are the Son of God. So C.S. Lewis writes this best about how it's kind of crazy to think that good things about Jesus, like he's a good moral teacher, he's a prophet, because how could you say that about someone that's calling themselves the son of God, calling them the bread of life, calling themselves the vine? We read this, and C.S. Lewis writes, a man who is merely a man and said the things Jesus said, I am the way, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who said he was a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell, meaning he'd be a liar. All right, C.S. Lewis grew up in a different time period. All right, you must make your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and call him a demon, call him a liar. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, there's three things that Jesus could be. Three things Jesus could be. First off, he could just be crazy. He could be a lunatic. He could just be absolutely nuts over there thinking he's the son of God. You know, people are following him because, I don't know, he's good at entertaining. He does good magic tricks. Like, he's just crazy. The other option is that Jesus was manipulating people. Jesus was a liar. He was, he, was, he was somehow conjuring up these fake miracles. Somehow he was just preaching these words for his own glory, his own gain, to build himself up, to gain a following. Like he's a liar. He made it all up just to be popular. I don't know the reason why he would lie about all this. 
or the last one is he was Lord. He was either crazy, a liar, or he was Lord. He was not anything in between. Either he was to be worshipped or he's to be rejected. He was one of those two things. And that's when I look at those things. Either Christianity is the biggest hoax of all time, the greatest conspiracy, the biggest lie we have ever seen, that a third of the world would believe in this guy named Jesus that was a lunatic and a liar, the greatest hoax in the world, or it's true. Or it's true. Either Jesus is a liar or Jesus is the only way to heaven. So I want to make, I want to make two arguments of why I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is Lord. So first reason why I believe in Jesus. First one is eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. There is a great difference between Christianity and every other religion. These are the two. The first one, eyewitnesses. It wasn't just Buddha, just Buddha under the tree who received enlightenment. Who saw that? Just Buddha. Muhammad, who was given the words for the Quran. Who saw Muhammad? Just Muhammad. All right? No eyewitnesses. Who, uh, another one. Joseph Smith of Mormonism. He interpreted this brand new New Testament that Jesus came over and talked to the Indians. He was the only one that could interpret it. Yeah, says who? Only Joseph Smith. The only one. All right, now I forget the, the Jehovah's Witness, but it's one person. One. One that saw it. No eyewitnesses. So let's see, why is that an argument for Christianity? Why is it an argument for Jesus? Matthew 3, 16 through 17. Jesus is going down to the Jordan. He's going to be baptized. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What we see here is that Jesus is getting baptized, and there is a multitude of people that are there. There are tons of people getting baptized, on top of just the disciples and the people that are following Jesus. And this is not just something that only Jesus heard. This, this heavens opened up. I don't know exactly if the, the Holy Spirit came down like a literal dove. But everybody heard this booming voice that said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And here I want to create an analogy. If you understand that how can this be a lie? Is it something to believe? And so you guys have heard me, some of you have not, is if I told you that I saw an alien last night, how many would you believe me? How many would you believe me? Okay, you'd believe, if I told you, why would you believe me? You'd believe me because why would I lie to you? Why, you trust me? Who else believed in my alien story? Right here, thank you, thank you. These are my real friends. That's how you become my friend. If you can't believe I saw an alien, I don't know, because if it actually happens and you don't believe me, we just can't be friends anymore. You're going to think I'm crazy, right? But now I want you to think about your friends at school. Now what are they going to believe more? If you go to school and you tell them, hey, last night my, my youth pastor was preaching, he said he saw an alien, came into his bedroom, told him a bunch of weird stuff, and then he disappeared. Are your friends going to believe you? Hold on, just hold on. Now, which one are they going to believe more? Now, let's say another hypothetical situation is an alien came down, like, right now. Actually, let's wait five seconds. Okay, okay, no, no aliens coming tonight. But let's say, let's just make it up right now. Let's say an alien came. Really, for real. And we all saw it. And he spoke. He started preaching in his alien voice, and yet we all like knew it wasn't English, but we all could understand it, and it was weird. 
like just a bunch of weird alien things. We all saw it. Now, which one of your friends is going to believe more? Hey, my youth pastor said an alien came in last night in his bedroom. What are they going to believe? Hey, last night an alien came to my youth group, and he spoke. This is what he said. Which one are they most likely to believe? Either. This is a bad example then. But which one are they going to believe more? Because let's say it's Carson, and he's telling, he's telling his buddies. You know what they're going to do? Who else was there? Who else saw this alien? Because Carson, he's a weirdo. He would make this up, right? Yeah. They say, who else was there? Carson would say, Carson, who else was there? Jacob? Jacob was there. All right, I'll go talk to Jacob. Hey, Jacob, what happened at youth group last night? Huh, what happened, bud? Alien came. And then what if you, he told, he said the same thing that Carson said, like the same words. He was preaching John 14, 6, that Jesus is the only way. It was crazy. And this person's like still just like, oh, um, I don't, Carson and Jacob, they could be in cahoots. Like they make videos with their pants falling off. Like they're weird. All right. <laughs> They start going to McKenna. Because, come on, McKenna's not going to lie, right? McKenna's just a sweet girl. And she tells him, you guys are going to think I'm weird, but I saw an alien. There's an alien that came to my youth group. And what if they went to every single person and they said the same thing? We'd have to say either this is the greatest hoax of all time, either we got together, we made up this really, really crazy story, right? Or it happened. Now, which one's more likely to be believed? The group of us all saying the same thing or just one person that says they saw it? It would be a group. And that's the difference already between Christianity and the rest of the religions. Because it wasn't just Jesus that heard this voice from heaven. It wasn't just Jesus that saw the water turn to wine. It wasn't just Jesus that saw himself raised from the dead. It was over 500 people. It wasn't just Jesus. Either this group of people, either these books... There was a gigantic group of individuals that got together and said, either let's make up this Jesus thing, let's make up what he did, let's all believe it, let's all spread it. Either it's the greatest hoax of all time or it's true. And we can see that this was not something they just made up. We read that as Peter is writing about this exact situation of, of, of Jesus being baptized in 2 Peter 1, 16-18. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from, Father, from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He's quoting what God said. He heard it in the sky. They all did. And the other time that they heard God speak was ever Peter, James, and John, and Jesus were up on a mountain. Jesus was like all transfigured. I don't know what that means. Things got freaky, but God spoke then as well. And he says, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. What Peter's saying is, we didn't just get together to make this up. He's also making it very clear, these aren't just rumors that you're hearing. The other people aren't making this up. We're saying, we're on the inner circle. We're telling this happened. Okay? We have to look at Peter then. Because here's the second reason why I believe Jesus is the Son of God. There is absolutely no doubt about it. The second one is motivation. Or motivations. When anybody does anything, there's motivations to it. Right? Like, I can't stand passive-aggressive behavior. Man, just be direct with me because, man, I'll just feel your little, your ill motivation. Right? You got up this morning. You had a motivation. Why'd you go to school today? You had a motivation probably because you're going to get in trouble if you didn't or you want to see your friends. Every time we do something, there is a reason behind it. But now someone, say someone shares a crazy story with you. You want to determine, are they lying or are they telling the truth? 
Was there an alien or was there not? Are they lying or are they telling the truth? So when someone tells me a t- crazy story, I have, to dis- I have to assess their story. I have to assess their motivations. What is their motivation for lying? Do they have a strong motivation to lie? If they don't have a strong motivation to lie, I'll usually give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll believe them. If they have a strong motivation to lie, I'll probably stay pretty skeptic. Like, hmm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So we look at, let's, let's go through this whole process. I want you to enter a different world. Not to believe this, but let's say Jesus is lying. Let's say every religion is lying. Run with me. What are the motivations for Joseph Smith as he starts Mormonism to lie about being able to do this? Does he have motivations? Absolutely, there's motivations. Got a group of people that believe in what he said. He kind of got to rewrite part of the Bible. He creates a following, power. Those are very attractive things. Does he have a motivation? Not saying lie or not. I believe lying. But does he have a motivation? A strong one? Yes. And it shows even more. There was no eyewitnesses. That hurts his case. What about Muhammad? Who went and spread Islam through violence and war? Does he have a motivation? Could it be that he wants power? That he wants control? Is that possible? Is there a motivation to lie? And go through all the religions. And there's a distinct difference between Christianity and every other religion. And it's in motivations because we look, look at the apostles. Like, let's, say, let's say they're lying. They're making this all up. Jesus, there's these rumors that Jesus is doing miracles. All right? But let's say that didn't happen. Obviously, there was at least rumors, right? But then Peter is even here confirming it, that they happened. What would be their motivation? Does he have a motivation to lie? Yeah. Maybe they really liked Jesus. They, they, they believed in what he was saying. They liked his teachings. They, they, they thought he was maybe the son of God. But was he doing miracles? Like maybe they, just, maybe they kept him going. Maybe they made them up to make Jesus look better than what he was. That's possible, right? We can run with that. And what about when Jesus, all right, so say Jesus is not doing miracles. Well, he's not doing these crazy miracles, but he's still calling himself the son of God. So that's a whole other thing that the disciples have to enter in. That's right, all right, we are making up these stories about miracles. Let's even say miracles are happening, right? But Jesus is calling himself the son of God. We have to look at, it says something that the disciples believed him. That all these, no miracles, no miracles are happening. Why would they believe him? Matthew 16, 15 through 16. But what about you? He has, Jesus is talking to the disciples. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, I don't know about you, but it'd be very, very difficult for me to call someone the son of the living God, and yet they have performed no acts that look divine. That they have not, none have not performed any type of miracle. I don't care what teachings you have. It would be very, very difficult for me to say that you are the Son of God. But let's run with that. That maybe he wasn't. They're making it all up. He was calling himself the Son of God. But he got to prove it. Because they were going to get to see if he was telling the truth or not through the resurrection. Everything that hinges upon Jesus being the Son of God hinges upon did he raise from the dead or not? Because he kept saying he was going to raise from the dead. And so he gets to prove it. He gets to prove it. But what we see is their response is they believe that he was raised from the dead. They're claiming it. But let's say it didn't happen. What are their motivations then? They want to carry on the teaching of Jesus. They actually rarely even talk about the teaching of Jesus. 
They talked more about just who Jesus was and what he did and that he raised from the dead. They wanted to defend his honor. Or they themselves wanted to feel important, like they were a part of something bigger than themselves. They wanted power. That's possible. But then this big thing, everybody with me? Then they died for him. Then they died for him. You may say, Christopher, there's a lot of religious people die for what they believe in. That's true. We look at, we look at Muslims and, and we look at radical Islam. And, and, and we see, uh, we recently went through another year of 9-11 and, and remembering that day, that they would die for what they believed in. And I'm not saying that they feel more or less certain than you about what they believe in. They, they really honestly believe in the Quran. They honestly believe that Allah is the true God. But what we do know is that just because you die for something doesn't mean it's actually true. Because here's the thing. Some people die for what they think is true. Does that particular Muslim, does that particular Mormon, does that particular any religion, were they an eyewitness to anything? Do they absolutely know 100% that this is true? No. They think they do. You're in the same boat, right? You, were you there? Did you see Jesus? No. You think it's true. Some people will die for what they think is true. But here's the difference. No one has ever or will ever die for what they know is a lie. That if, you, if we just gathered together and Evan was talking, he was just saying amazing, radical things, we just believed in him. So we started making up lies about his miracles. People were believing him. And then, and then he was telling us he was the son of God. We believed him. We thought he was a good speaker. You know, we just, he was fulfilling some prophecies. We just believed in him. And he said he was going to raise from the dead, and he didn't. And now we feel like, man, did I just waste three years of my life? Did he really say he was going to raise back from the dead? You know what, let's just say he did. Let's make it all up. Because that's the route you're saying. If you don't believe in Christianity, that is the route you're going. That has to be the case. Then I, the question I ask you is, why did they die for it? Nobody has ever died for a lie. There's a difference between dying for something you think is true and these apostles that died for something they knew was true or they knew it was a lie. They knew if Jesus was raised from the dead or they didn't. And so if you have any problem with their testimony, I want you to hear how they died. And if anybody ever, can you imagine, of anybody dying like this for something that was made up? Peter, he was crucified. He was crucified upside down. James, son of Zebedee, who was beheaded. That was one of the nice ones. Andrew, crucified. Philip, he was tortured and then crucified. Thomas was stabbed with pine spears, tortured with hot plates, and then burned alive. Matthew was beheaded. Nathaniel... This one gets me because you can read, it was just they, they, would deny, they would refuse to deny that Jesus raised from the dead. They refused to deny that he was the son of God. You know what they did to him? They flayed him. They peeled the skin off of his entire body. And then they crucified him. I want you to hear the weight of that. I want you to hear the proof of that. Nobody dies for a known lie. Never has happened, never will would you ever be flayed and crucified for a known lie? James the Lesser, thrown off a building because he refused. He refused to deny Jesus, so, so a group uh, threw him off, threw him off a building and then beat him with clubs to death. Simon the Zealot was executed in Syria. Judas Thaddeus, not Judas Iscariot, not, not, not betrayer Jesus, Judas, Judas Thaddeus, uh, he was beaten to death with sticks. Matthias was stoned and hung on a cross. 
John, who was the only one that wasn't killed, but he, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's somewhat believed that he was thrown into boiling oil, but it is absolutely known that he was then exiled to an island forever on his own. He didn't die a martyr's death, but he lived a martyred life. Paul, we know the Apostle Paul, or um, Paul who wrote 13 books of the Bible, he was beheaded. We know Stephen. See, the first Stephen, he was stoned to death. It means everybody picked up a stone, or there was, I think they would take a crack on his head. Now these people, can you imagine anybody ever dying for something they knew was true or knew was a lie? I think the example of these apostles I think the ultimate doubt, is Jesus really the only way? I think the ultimate doubt, is he the son of God? Is really, is there enough proof for people can make that, where Jesus can make that decision that if you believe this, if you believe in him, you go to heaven. If you don't believe him, you go to hell. That's ultimately my doubt was, has God given us enough evidence? Has he given us enough facts to really, that, that people have no way to say he wasn't the son of God? Is there, is there enough? And for so much of my life, I've thought, I think there's like 80% enough, like 90% enough. But then as I look at these disciples and what they did, and that it is completely different from every other, every other religion, it defies human logic. It has to be true. So when Jesus says he is the only way, when he says that, and he has proved that he's the son of God being raised from the dead, then he is perfectly justified in doing that. Because there is enough evidence in the life of Jesus, I didn't even get into that one, but the life of these apostles, there is enough evidence. It is proven through eyewitnesses. It is proven through motivations. An analogy I think of now is what are we to do with this? What are we to do with this information? If he's actually the son of God, and I think of the lottery. You know, I, you know I've never played the lottery. I don't think I'll ever play the lottery. But there's some people that, you know, you know, guess some numbers. You know, on a card, they pay a couple bucks, and they can win millions of dollars. Now, how many of you would love to win the lottery? Yeah, that'd be great. You buy, you know, so many cars for Speed the Light. You can give it to missionaries, right? Yeah. Right. Now, what if, run with me on this hypothetical, that on TV they were advertising, this is going to be the numbers tomorrow night. There's a, we're going to even win $100 million to every person. We're not even going to split it up. If you, if you go buy a lottery ticket, you write these numbers down, you will win the lottery. How many of you going to go buy a lottery ticket? Mom, dad, I don't care what your beliefs are, I'm going to get a lottery ticket. Right? Here's a question I ask you. Let's say you didn't tell your friend about that number. Let's say it was just one, two, three. It's on the screen. It's all they had to go fill out. And if you didn't tell your friend and you're walking up to school, you want all this money, you know what they're going to, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? You had a lottery ticket. You had the winning numbers. You knew the one way up the mountain. You knew the one road to the greatest theme park in the world. You knew. Why didn't you tell me? And tonight, the statement I want you to remember is since Jesus is the way, because I think he's proved it through his life, the disciples, through eyewitness and motivation, since Jesus is the way, we must share him today. Since Jesus is the way, we must share him today. And I can't, I just want you to run with me. What would it be like? 
if Christians lived as if this is actually true? How would your life change if this is actually true? N.T. Wright, he's a, he's a great writer. Um, he wrote this. When we begin to glimpse the reality of God, which I think, we look at these apostles, we are getting a glimpse of the reality that he is real. The natural reaction is to worship him. Not to have that reaction is a fairly sure sign that we haven't yet really understood who he is or what he's done. Since Jesus is the way we must share him today. Our response with this type of message has to be and only can be absolute worship to him. If I can have the worship team actually come up. Worship team, come up. So if tonight you are feeling um, just like, whoa, I never thought about it this way. I never looked at Jesus this way. Man, this sounds legit. How could this not be true? If that's you tonight, and you want to know, okay, so what does it mean to worship him with my life? What does it mean for me to give it all to him? Because if this is true, this is real, I've got to do something about it. What does a life of worship look like? I would say a life of worship is making Jesus number one in everything. Do you do what he says? Do you actually read the word to even know what he does say? Are you spending time with him? Do you have a relationship with him? Praying, talking to him. Do you love others? Do you love your enemies? Do you share this story that Jesus commanded in Matthew 28, 19? Go into all the world, baptizing people, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go out, tell people about me. Are you doing that? Since Jesus is the way, we must share him today. So for some of you, that's, that's, that's the challenge to you. Are you making your life worship to him? Everything that you every conversation that you have, every action that you do, every motivation that you have behind those actions. But some of you that may be sitting on the fence, a little iffy on this whole thing. Tim Keller writes this. Reason can get you to probability. Tonight I prevented, presented some reasons as to why I think you should absolutely believe in who Jesus was. Reason can get you to probability. Most likely, this is correct. But only commitment can get you to certainty. Only commitment. You can reason about, I think God is true because of this and that. You can reason that, I think you should do this because of this and that. But it's only going to become real when you commit to it, when you commit your life to it. So you guys can stand up. I want those that maybe have not made that commitment, that real commitment to Jesus for the first time, would you like to make that commitment to Jesus tonight? I have to raise a hand. All you have to do is say yes. And like that, that verse we, we saw earlier or the, the song we're singing, I give you my life. God, I'm a sinner. I deserved hell. But you saved me. And I see that you're the son of God. And I give you my life. If you've not made that commitment for the first time, you only need to make it one time. You say, God, I give you my life. That's all you have to do. And you have a relationship with him. You are saved. You are going to heaven. But here's the other part of that. Is you're saved. You go to heaven. Does that mean you get to live how you want? Great, I'm saved. I get to do what I want. 
And as N.T. Wright said earlier, I don't know if you have to go back to it, is that if your life is not worshiped to him, then it shows that you actually haven't understood who he is or what he's done. I would highly question if you're actually in relationship with him. So will you commit to making the Lord of your life for the first time? Those of you who are already believers, will you, I say the same thing, will you commit to your entire life to Jesus? Everything. So we're going to take some time. We're going to worship God for us to say, God, we give you everything.